Maguire coming in. Harry Maguire at the back post. The header from Maguire is absolutely wonderful. Maguire! And he has won it! One, two, three, four defenders fail to clear. And Maguire pouches. And Maguire surely now has sent Manchester United through to a record 30th FA Cup semi-final. It squirmed, it was loose, and Maguire swivelled and broke Norwich hearts. Hello and welcome to our first recorded Manchester United podcast of 2021. Happy New Year, Maisie and Sam. Oh, Happy New Year, Helen. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, people. Yeah, Happy New Year. Let's hope this one is better than the last. Yeah. Can't get any worse. Well, that's true. Did we all have a nice Christmas, New Year? Yeah, good. Festivities? Quiet. Yeah, it was nice. Just sort of chilled out. Yeah. How about you? Yes, it was lovely. Thank you. Christmas dinner. How did that go down, everybody? Christmas dinner was amazing. Good. Yeah, I had a delicious vegan Wellington that I imagine neither of you would want. But it was nice. I enjoyed it. (laughs) Macy looks horrified. Vegan Wellington. What yeah. what does that consist of, Sam? Don't know. Probably it's just mushrooms and a bit of pastry. Did you I make think. that yourself? I did not make it myself, uh, but it was very tasty. I had it with your traditional roast vegetables and some gravy, loads of cranberry sauce, followed by a Christmas pudding. I had a lovely old time. Not a fan of Christmas pudding, I have to admit. What? No. No. No, cheese board me. Oh, cheese oh, yeah? Cheese board, yeah, bottle of port. Pablo for me. Port at Christmas, lovely. Yeah. Maybe not a bottle, but still. Good to be at the Aeon Training Complex today. Yep, snowy outside. A yes. little bit snowy. How mm-hmm. good has the snow been? I know, obviously, you two probably I'm 50 haven't year been. Old I know, Helen. I know, yeah, I know. I have kids that I go love snow. Do you remember we were in, uh, when we were in uh, Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan last year? Yes. Macy called me a child because every time we got off the train, I threw a snowboy in. <laughs> yeah. I have had the best few days with the kids sledging. Mm. Oh, it's been so fun. Sledging is We've great. Seen. We've seen all the videos yeah. on Instagram. Oh, Excellent snowman. So, so good. good. Excellent snowman. Yeah. Do you know what? That snowman has now lasted five days. Great I work. did have a bet with Johnny that it would be gone by Sunday, which was yesterday. It's still standing. Great, good snowman. And Very it wore, solid. A, wore a Manchester United scarf, I believe. It did. Good that choice of scarf. Person, so the kids took that off. Um, and do you know what the best part is? Take this out if it makes me sound a bit big-headed. We got recently got fake grass. That doesn't oh. make you sound big-headed. Yeah. Fake grass. How which good is it? I am buzzing about it's because great. there's no muck. No. Muck. So the snowman is perfectly white. Muck is a funny word. Muck, is that a Northern Irish word? No, it's an English word, but it's okay. just funny. Mud. Yes. So yes, it's been a really nice few days because it's hard over Christmas when you're not able to see family and friends, but the snow has made it a little bit better for the kids anyway. Uh, also, this year has started as badly as most for me because I already look stupid, thanks to you, Helen. Right. I've been walking around telling everybody at MUTV that I just sort, I just sort of subtly say to people, you know, Johnny's out of contract at the end of the year. And then people think, oh, Sam spends a lot of time with Helen. Maybe something's happening. Maybe he's... Uh. So, Sam, you just made that information up? No, he, well, he was out of contract, wasn't he? he just no, isn't now. he was not out of contract till the summer. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, but he would have been. And I was, I was just pointing that out to people who didn't know. Just sort of thinking, well, maybe. Who knows what's going to happen? And then they would think, well, Helen's probably told Sam something. But now he's signed a new contract with Leicester. He has. Nice little Christmas present, too. How long? Add on. Two years with an option of a third, but I don't know whether oh, that's, that's true. Good. So let's just How skip that. He was 33 yesterday. So it takes him to 36. Birthdays, Christmas, sledging. Guys, it's all been going on. What a ching. Ka-ching. No wonder you got false grass. <laughs> That's amazing. It, all our money by false grass. Is that expensive? Imagine You've it's got like, false grass too. I have got false grass, yeah. I imagine it's like living on like I nicked it a five-a-side pitch. <laughs> 
That's cool. Yeah, very, very good. pleased. So that Johnny's will. not coming back to United, which is a shame. Yeah, it is a shame because we might have got him on the podcast. Yeah. The good thing is, though, I'm still here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's very good. <laughs> cool. <laughs> still one Evans here. <laughs> Speaking of Leicester centre-backs... Oh, that was nice, Sam. Uh, we are delighted to be joined today by the captain of Manchester United, someone, Helen, we have had on the podcast before and we have discussed that you actually know, I guess, a bit well. How well? Quite well? Well, Johnny and him only played together for a year at Leicester, which was three years ago now. Did you send him a Christmas card? or? Um, did I send him a Christmas card? Awkward. Yeah. I'm going to ask him. I can't remember. I'm going to ask him. That's my opinion. You know opener. what? My Christmas card list was a little bit scatty this year. I didn't go off any sort of format. It was just random. Okay. Did you send any, Sam? Um, do you send them? Like stick them in the post? Yeah. Oh, I did post a couple. Do yeah. you? Yeah. How much is a first class stamp? I don't know. Oh, my Pound? word. They're a fortune now. But oh, 70, that's what I mean. 70 old P. So, uh, what? Yeah. Happens when it was like 14p, 13 and a half p. I know. What that was back in the day. Back in the day. A half p, did you just say? <laughs> don't tell me you can't remember half p's. No, I can't. What's a half oh P? What? How can something be half a P? You're winding me up. I don't remember that. What's a half P? Half a P. How are you going to spend half a pence? How, yeah, I understand, but how are you going to spend half a pence? Well, you could do back then. What? But how? How? Because it was like... Do you have to buy double everything so that you're, it rounds up to being a full pence? No, you couldn't do that because the price would be 99 and a half P. Don't remember that, Maisie. I don't think that Sorry. Was. That's what happens when, when you're When did 50. the half pence go out of commission then? Well, I think 1784. 1984. 1984. <laughs> that was See? the last time yeah. we used the half penny. Right. When, when were you two born? 87. 88. Oh, God. <laughs> For all the old people out there, I know you I know you like me and you know uh, I'm telling the half truth. Penny is. These two. <laughs> anyway, a first class stamp was 86p. I don't think that I sent one. To Harry and Fern. I'm going to ask him. Awkward. I think that's the thing but we should focus on. I didn't send one to any of you either. No, you didn't. Yeah, you did. That's a good point. It's a very good point. Anyway, Harry Maguire is on the podcast. If you're still with us, we've got a bit derailed, but it's fine. It's the start of the year. There was a lot to talk about. Harry Maguire's coming on. Helen didn't send him a Christmas card. We're asking about that. We'll also uh, mention that he has been on the podcast before, hasn't he? We had a little chat with him then, and he told us um, a few things about being captain of Man United. He did it with uh, Brian Robson. If you've not heard that yet, make sure you go and listen to that afterwards so you get a little bit more of an insight into the man that is Harry Maguire but we'll do our best to unpick it all now right yeah yep we will do <laughs> here he is then it's Harry Maguire I don't think I did send them one I thought you said this were on Zoom you can do it on Zoom if you want we've all got our iPads <laughs> <laughs> we can go in the toilet for some good night Johnny's birthday yesterday how old 33 but yeah we'll do a wee cake later some balloons what else can you do all good yeah, all good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Hello, if you start, if you don't mind, if that's okay. Yep. Harry, welcome back to the Manchester United podcast. You have been with us before, but in a different format. That was with Brian Robson, so it's good to have you back on your own. No yep. offence to Brian, obviously. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Obviously, the results have been better of late, and uh, we're in a good position in the table for the rest of the season, so we need to kick on now, and um, everything's positive. Did you have a nice Christmas period with your family? Yeah, it was nice. Um Obviously, the, the schedule around Christmas and football is is busy, playing every two, three days. So I was spent a lot of time in this training ground, as, as I have done all season. But no, it was nice to, to spend a, a day with my family and um, at the Christmas dinner. And now, obviously, under the restrictions, we, we split up again. And um, I'm sure we'll see each other soon. Did you get a card from Helen? 
No card. She didn't remember. I asked no. her before. In fact, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> she might have sent them. Do you know what I was going to say? I bet you, <laughs> you don't even know did. what Christmas no, cards are. That was straight away no card. <laughs> straight away. Definitely I not to me. I can't yeah. remember. <laughs> Do you know what? Actually, talking of Christmas cards, our Christmas, our, just off topic, our post box, we've lost the key for six weeks, so I don't actually know who sent me a Christmas card. <laughs> so I'm sure I've not got one from you either. Yeah, it'll be in the post box. <laughs> <laughs> um, Harry, have you been listening to many podcasts? I know you've been super busy. No, I, I see a lot of quotes from them more than more than anything what gets put out on um, social media. Um, but no, I, I have a good interest in them and I've seen Bruno did one and mm-hmm. know that they always come across really well. Good answer. Um, going back, we go back to the start in our podcast, start from childhood onwards. Um, so that's what we're going to follow the format with you. So tell us about growing up. I know you've got two brothers and what's the age difference? Where are you in the pecking order? I'm the middle one. Um, Ooh, yeah. child. I have uh, Joe, who's 18 months older than me, who we grew up playing a, a lot of football together. And then Loz, who, who he plays for Chesterfield now, who's, if I get this right, I think he's 22. <laughs> um, so there's three or four years difference between us. No, in fact, he might be, he might be 23 now. Three or four, three, uh, three or well, four I years Well, I like different. the right answer or the wrong answer. I hope that's right. Um, yeah, so we grew up all the time playing football together, um, especially me and Joe, uh, the older one, kicking each other in the garden. He used to kick me more than I kicked him because he was the older one, but my dad was involved as well and we always played on the garden and played football that way. Well, who did your dad support? My dad supported Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, my mum supported Sheffield United, so there was a bit of rivalry in the, in the family and obviously I went on to play for Sheffield United. So the family pretty much split where half of the family of Sheffield Wednesday and half of Sheffield United, so... It was rivalry, but my dad always followed my career and always supported and wanted me to win when, when I was playing for them. Mm. Was was football your main passion when you were when you were younger and kicking your brother in the garden or did you have other things that you cared about and you enjoyed and you explored? Yeah, I explored near enough every sport. I tried every sport, but football was always the big one. My dad was a big football man. We we always watched football on TV, every game. We had it on, we had Sky. Um I used to do my mum's my head in. Because it was always on, it was constantly on in the house, especially with four lads in, in the house, in, in me and my two brothers and my dad. So, no, it was a big, big passion of ours. Uh, but yeah, I, did, I, did, I tried every sport. I still play golf now. And um, when I was at. <laughs> you were like a meerkat there. <laughs> Just sprang to Any good? Yeah. yeah, I'm all right, not bad. And a cat? Seven. Oh, that's Ooh. good. That's good. Bandit. Maisie's no, hand, his uh, handicap changes all the time, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm six. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. With the new rulings, new rulings has got it to six. Nice. Nicked a point off me. There's probably no time to play golf now, is there? No, it's it's tough, especially with the weather. I think they're all short at the minute with the snow and things, but we have no time. I, d- I don't like playing. Obviously, the day before, two days before, um, and generally we're playing every three days, so it's tough to get a game in. Have you always been a defender? No, I um, I only moved to to defence when I was about I was probably sixteen. When I shot up and grew, and that's what they do, they just put you back there, don't they, then? Um, no, I was a centre midfielder all, all the time growing up. I always used to play the year above in my age group. Mm-hmm. Um, I played because it made it easy for my, for my dad to travel because I always played with my brother's age group. Because when you was younger, I think, like, if you, I played for the under-10s and he played for the 11s, it's opposite, so one's at home and one's away. So I always played in the year above, which probably helped me again yeah. in, in terms of my ability and physical side of the game. We get a lot of different answers on this. And I always think they're interesting. How aware were you of your talents at that sort of age? Like, did you think, 
I am much better at this than everybody. Or were you just sort of playing and, you know, everyone was sort of much of a muchness? I think at that age, it's the, the main thing about football is, is enjoying it. I mm -hmm. think I used to love football. I used to want to play it when I got home and practice and play. And I was so competitive growing up in the family that I did. Um, I probably, I, I, if you spoke to my dad, we, we probably, I had a good inkling that I, I could be successful. I was, I was obviously playing the year above, which obviously gave me a, a big advantage. Um, I was holding my own in, in the year above, playing all the time. I played a couple of games down back at my own age group, and I always used to find it a little, quite a, quite a bit easier. So, but no, I think at that age it's just all about enjoyment. I think if you don't enjoy it, I don't think you can pursue a career in it. So, no, I, I loved it. I loved it from a young age, and I loved just going out and kicking a ball about, even whether it's on the garden or in the streets or at the park. I'm sure I've put a few balls in in people's back gardens. Do you know when you was um, an apprentice? Would have been at YTS. Would it? Uh, was you at home or was you in Diggs? No, I was at home in Sheffield with my mum and dad. I used to live with my mum and dad. Could you have gone to Diggs? Um, Did you never have the choice? Or no, I don't, think, or? I don't think they give you the choice. I think if you lived a certain miles radius away, right. um, or obviously you didn't have a, a home to be at. But no, I, I lived with my mum and dad until obviously moved out when I started playing for Hull. Yeah. yeah. What were you like at school? Did you enjoy school? No, I actually, I really enjoyed school. It was a big thing. It was a big part of my parents pushing me at school I always wanted to play football but they also made it so important that I got I got good grades and I studied and yeah I, I enjoyed school I enjoyed going I'm still friends with a lot of my friends from school so no it's been a big part of my childhood you did get good grades as well didn't you yeah I got good grades what would you have been when the career officer came around right Harry career what? officer yeah we had a career <laughs> officer you, at do school. you know that no, it sounds Did very you know? formal. Yeah. We I've never heard of that. What's that? Career officer. Career officer come around and says, right, what do you want to do? You know, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your qualifications? Do you not have that? Maybe that was just you. No, I had one too. <laughs> oh, that's good. So um, what, what would you have been? Had you not been a footballer? I'd, I'd have stayed on at school. I'd have definitely taught maths. That's interesting because Marcus said he loved maths and would have been an accountant, he reckons. Yeah, that's a good shout. I could have probably gone down that route, but I'd have definitely stayed on at school, gone sixth form, and then I would have gone to university as well. So I don't know where it has took me, but... Did all your group of friends from school follow that path? And did you ever feel a bit, like, left out that you didn't get to experience that uni life? Um, almost, because uh, at my school, they had a sixth form at the school. Mm -hmm. So year 12 and year 13. A lot of my friends did go on to that. And obviously I missed out in terms of them making new friends and, and maybe going out in, in, in town and things um, at that age, because you're starting to, to become legal. Um what did I miss it? I was I was just so because at that, that age I was playing first team football, so mm. it was a bit. It's unusual that when I was seventeen, eighteen, I broke into the first team and, and played so so regular. So really, my life was constantly busy. Yeah. And I think if you if you do go down that route, and obviously you, you do miss the school and the uni. I think if you're not playing first team football when you're seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, I think that's when you probably start to miss it a little bit more. Mm. How did uh, how did your Career end up at Sheffield United. So obviously, you were local, but how did they pick you up? How old were you? Where did they see you? Were there other clubs that were interested? Yes, yeah, so I actually was at Barnsley as my first ever club. I was playing for Brumsmere and uh, six sevens, um, and they signed me and my brother at the same time. Barnsley, and we went when we was like eight, nine year old. And then Sheffield United, Barnsley was was struggling a bit. It was a time where the, the club was struggling. I don't know if they went into administration, and, and there was talks. There was little rumours going around that the the academy might have to stop. 
Um, thankfully, it never did, which is good for obviously Barnsley Club. Um, but when there was that talks, then, then Sheffield United contacted and, and, and they wanted to take me and my brother. Um, I think they paid a little bit of compensation when mm. we was I was probably 10 and Joe was probably 11. And yeah, we just ended up Sheffield United from there and we, he stayed there until he didn't get a scholarship when he was 16. So he went to Scunthorpe and I managed to get a scholarship and, and broke through. So that was, what age, sorry, did you say you joined there? 11, 10, 11? I, was, I, was, I think I was 10 mm-hmm. and Joe would have been 11, 11, 12. And how much did you enjoy your time there? At Sheffield United? Yeah, I loved it. I had some ups and downs. I remember my second year scholar, I found myself out, of the, out in and out of the team and it's crazy how things can turn and you, you, at that age you don't really know how close you are to the first team you, you come in you work hard but you don't really believe that you can that you, you're so close but it's it's, it's just around the corner it's you, you get your opportunity and you've got to take it and I got mine and thankfully I did yeah. we should talk about the 2011 FA Youth Cup final because obviously you played against United and Jesse and Paul were in that side and you ended up being stretched off right yeah, I, I got I got knocked out that that game from um, I clashed heads with uh, Ravel. Disappointing end to, to to the season. It was the last game. It was an unbelievable atmosphere um, at Old Trafford. I think Sheffield United sold out the away end that day, and obviously it was a I think it was about fiftieth minute. I think I might have ended up going off the pitch, and we I think we got beat four one in the game in the end. And you could see how strong Manchester United team was back then. It was it was incredible, really. Did you? This might be wrong. Did you ever have thoughts at that sort of point, like this is an opportunity to impress? Maybe this is a club I might like to be at, or, or maybe I'm testing myself against the level of where I want to be. Is are those the kind of things you think, or is it just this is a game I really want to win? No, I think you're always in the back of your mind. I, I think when you play the best teams, especially when you're playing at Sheffield United as as a youth player, when you play against the the likes of Manchester United, you're always trying to impress. You want to play against the best, and you know that they've got the best players the record especially in my age group every tournament I went to it seemed like Manchester United were winning it or getting to the final I think you could see the array of talent that they had in the team with Paul Jesse Ravel both Michael and Will Keane um, it was incredible really how, how strong they was um, at my age group so no you you want to impress you want to impress their their coaches but for sure um, the bottom of it is that you go into the game and you want to win and to, to lose that day was disappointing you got a, a signed shirt from Sir Alex, right? Yeah, um, the, the club kindly uh, sent me a shirt. Obviously, I wasn't there after the game to to maybe swap shirts uh, with, with the opponents. I had to be rushed to hospital. So, no, it was a nice gesture and it just shows what a classic club it is. And presumably you were okay. Yeah, I was fine. Um, <laughs> it's I, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's worth checking just in case. <laughs> no, it was actually... Um, I got knocked out and then obviously I, I, did, I couldn't remember much and then I went to hospital and I was really ill in the night. Um, but eventually they, they let me go about, I think it was about three or four o'clock that, that night um, and just got a car home back to Sheffield and woke up and obviously disappointing just to, lo- to lose the game in the final because it was such a big occasion, such a big game and you know what it's like playing in that youth cup. It's, it's so big for, for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, was Ravel all right? Because I, I think most people would guess in a clash of heads between the two of you, <laughs> But he's the person you'd be concerned about. <laughs> no, it was strange, really. He, he just, it, it was, wasn't really. It just clipped the back of my head. It wasn't like a big bang. I weren't covered in blood. I think he just caught me on the right, the right place. And I think he was down. But I think Ravel, he, he definitely got up and, and played the rest of the game. I can remember him scoring. So um, <sighs> no, it was. Um, I think when you get knocked out, I think it's whereabouts they, they catch you rather than making a big mess of your your head or a big mm-hmm. clash of the heads. 
Is that the only time you've ever been knocked out? Yeah, it is. It's the only time. Never um, been knocked out. <laughs> Maybe did you get knocked out much? I don't think I did. No, Pl- maybe at Stoke, Ricardo followed dummy from the side, dummy proper, mm. four stitches in my lip. That was it. Can't remember anything really. Mm. I didn't even know he got sent off. So sorry, going yeah. off topic. Yeah. <laughs> um, Harry, who were your influences back then when you were, you know, just on the verge of the first team? Who were you looking out at in the league or even in in the first team at the time? Yeah, I. Probably Sheffield United too big influence like Chris Morgan who had a nasty injury. I always grew up watching him play for Sheffield United and then he had a nasty injury and he ended up on the coaching in team when I was breaking through and I'd say he had a, a big influence on my defensive part of the game. And then I, when I broke in, I always played alongside Neil Collins who was massive for my development, told me when I, when I was doing anything wrong and got an earful every now and then. But no, he was he was great and he's, them two I'd say is a big part of of where I am now and um, and where I'm playing now. Do you look at that now when you play alongside Victor or you play alongside Eric? I mean, obviously, you, you'll have been through that. I went through that as a centre-half. I, I grew up playing with Kevin Moran, and I probably learnt more with Kevin than I did with anybody because of the experiences he had. Yeah, I think in everyone's game of football, everyone has strengths, everyone yeah. has the weaknesses. It's about bringing out your strengths and keeping your weaknesses hidden. Yeah. So if you can help, one thing I've learned over experience is helping out other people. I think, for example, if my centre-half is playing well alongside me, generally I'm going to be playing well as well. Yeah. So especially when you play for this club, if, you, if you're conceding goals, you, you, you're under scrutiny. If, mm-hmm. Even if you feel like you're doing well, you're, you're not doing well because you're losing games and you're conceding goals. So I think... Generally, all over the pitch, I think, as I've grown up and as I've experienced, it's not just about myself because, like I say, if my centre half's playing well, I'm pretty sure I'll be, I'll be doing things things well as well. Yeah. So, I think obviously when when you play alongside Eric and Vic, and I, the way I look at it is, I want them to 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 be the best player on the pitch because I know mm-hmm. for sure if if they're doing their defensive bit right, it'll it'll help my game a lot, and um, I'm sure they're vice versa as well when when they think of that as well. You look like a defender who loves defending like you love getting stuck in and winning headers and winning tackles have you always been like that it's very tenacious I suppose yeah it's it's I think probably playing I don't know how many games 200 and odd games in league one's probably mm-hmm. brought that out of me when I was 18 19 years old I was playing against the the likes of Lee Hughes and um loads of old-fashioned experienced strikers who probably brought out the physical attributes in me obviously talking about how that shaped you you played over 100 times for the first team you were in the league one team of the year you were player of the year at Sheffield United and the players player of the year that's pretty impressive considering you were probably not even 20 by the time you'd done all that yeah it was um I was I was a young boy coming through and I got a lot of help from the experienced lads but also great I got great faith and, and confidence given to me by the manager. Um, there probably times where I was playing and I made a couple of mistakes and some other managers might have gone, right, get rid of the young one, let's put an experienced bloke in. And to be fair to Danny Wilson, who, who was there for two, three years when I was there, he, he played me every game. Um, I could make a mistake, I could play a, a back pass short to the keeper to go and score and we lose the game and I'd play the next game where... Like I said, some other managers probably would have thought a bit different and gone with the experience, but no, I think that that, that was a massive part of my development mm. and, my, and my game. And yeah, I I think I got in the team of the year three years on on the 
on the spin playing in League One, so it was a it was a great achievement for myself. What was it like when Hull came knocking? Yeah, so obviously my, I felt like that was the summer, that was my time up at Sheffield United. I I give everything to the club. I I was so desperate to get promoted. Um we got beat in the playoff final on penalties. We got beat in the playoff semi-final and we went on some great cup runs, I think, semi-final of the FA Cup against Hull. And then the summer come and um, I felt like it was my time to, to go and test myself and, and play in a high division and Hull came knocking and it was the perfect club in the Europa League at the time. And obviously Steve Bruce, who I thought, oh, great, I can go and learn so much from him. Obviously, the centre back that he was in his in his playing career. So no, it was a great great move for me, great club, and um, one that I'm thankful of. How long did you spend there at Hull? I spent three years at Hull. the The first year was pretty difficult for me. Is that the first time you'd lived away from home then? Well, I'd say I lived away from home. I I did I still did a bit of travelling from Sheffield. It was only mm-hmm. 50 minutes um, right. in the car, so I did I did a little bit and stayed in a few hotels quite a bit. But the first year was difficult. I found myself not really in the team and then not really in the squad and I was training on match day and it was something that I was so not used to having to having played every game for Sheffield United probably the most difficult part of my career I, I went on loan to Wigan I played every game for Wigan it was a great great move for me in terms of getting experience in the championship and then come back in the following season I, I managed to break in and I stayed in the team mm-hmm. Did you speak to Brucey about that? Obviously not being in the squad and stuff. Yeah, we had a, we had so many conversations. I kept knocking on his door. He probably got sick of me in the end. Um, but one thing I will say with, with Bruce, he, he was always honest with me. And what what happened was is he built up this big squad. We was in the Premier League and the Europa League. He built up a massive squad for, to, to deal with it. Because as you mm-hmm. know, in the Europa League, you need a big squad. You need to yeah. rotate. So I think we had like seven centre-backs. And then we got knocked out of the Europa League in the qualifying round. So we didn't even play a game in the Europa League. And he's got, we, I think, I can remember on some match days, there was, there was probably 10, 11 players training who weren't even making the squad. So it made it difficult for him. And um, he, he went with, with experience mm-hmm. that year. I think Dawson and, and Curtis Davis played the majority of the year. Mm-hmm. So no, I, I accepted it. I went out, I got my head down, got some games. Um, and like I said, the the following year I broke in. Yeah, what was it like at Wigan? No, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was a difficult time for the club. I, I joined the club when they was really struggling, bottom of the league. The pitch was terrible. One of the worst I've ever played <laughs> on. But no, they were really struggling as a club and um, the points tally was really poor. And no, I went there and it was a great, great club. Great, great to be involved in. And the fans was great with me and I played every game. So that was the main thing. And then obviously went back to Hull, who, while you'd been out on loan, had been relegated. And then in the championship, you really found your place in the team. And uh, Mike Phelan was in charge. No, Mike was the following year. Right, OK. So yeah. Steve, Steve was still in charge in the, in the championship, which I was I, I was in and out of the team. I, I didn't I wasn't number one centre back. I was two, three flipping and changing mm-hmm. um, I think I ended up playing 30 odd times that year which is which is a lot but I wasn't the number one what I wanted to be um, it was still, Steve still went with um, Curtis and, and Michael Dawson which you can't argue because at the end of the day they, they got promoted and we got promoted to the Premier League through the playoffs um, in which the game in the playoff final I was on the bench and I come on and I come on actually in centre midfield that game so um, no it was um it was a year where I broke in, but I wasn't 
wasn't really settled. And then the following year is when I really broke into the team and from when I played in the Premier League and, and Mick was in charge. Yeah, I'd say that was when I really found my feet and I really started to play and uh, I really pushed on from then. This is not the most relevant question, but I feel like I want to ask it. Because you were a central midfielder and obviously you played central midfield at, at that level, do you think like if there was a massive injury crisis, you'd be happy to step into the midfield? Well, when I was, um, I played a couple of games, to be fair, at a hole in centre midfield mm-hmm. um, in the Premier League when they were short on numbers. Um, I'm trying to think of Leicester. I don't know. I, thought, I think I think Claude Powell put me in there uh, for the second half one one time. So I'm sure I could go in there and, and do a job, but for sure it's not my it's not my strongest position. <laughs> centre back's my strongest. I think um, the the athleticism of these centre midfielders now and, and the distance that they cover in games, the the twelve Ks each each game. I don't know if I could do that every three days, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> what is it uh, you, you prefer about defending to being in the in the midfield? I think just seeing everything in front of me is a big thing. I've always felt comfortable on the ball as a centre, central defender, but you go into midfield and everything's a little bit different. You've got people coming from behind to the left, to the right, and the pictures and the vision that you have is is totally different. And it's um, it's something that you do need to get used to and, and the angles and things. But when you get comfortable in one position, I think... I always think it's big to, to, to try and nail down one position. It's Don't get me wrong, it's always good to have a couple of positions that you can play and help the team in, but to nail one down is, is important too. You did leave Hull having one player of the year, which is a bit of a theme throughout your career. Every club you've been at, you've managed to pick up that award, except here obviously, which hopefully will be this year. <laughs> um, tell us about your move to Leicester then. Yeah, so obviously the year at, at Hull, we, we got relegated. We gave it a good go. Um, we just couldn't score enough goals that year, if I'm being honest. Um, Mick came in and did really well. And obviously Marco Silva got it and we, we started and we, we gave it a good go to, to stay in. But unfortunately, we got relegated. And I knew that year that I had to stay in the Premier League. Um, I loved Hull, but I knew I had to stay in the Premier League. And I had two, three, four clubs wanting to, to sign me. And... And Leicester just seemed the most appeal. Like it was Craig Shakespeare, the manager at the time, and I spoke with him and, and the way the club was going. And um, you can see how the club is now and, and, and where they've reached. Um, it's a it's a really progressive club, and it was perfect for me. Mm-hmm. And did you know any of the boys there at the time from your England camps or anything? Um, I hadn't played for England when I, I, I only got in the England camp when I joined. So. Oh yeah, twenty one's good shout. Um, Enough of the eye rolling. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I don't think I did know any of the boys when I joined. So you were the proper new boy then? Yeah, the proper new boy. But no, it was all great. It was a great club, great lads. Oh, yeah, I can't speak highly enough of Leicester and my time there. They, they It was a big part of my career. And I knew when I, when I signed for Leicester, I'd go in there and, and be a big player for them. And mm-hmm. uh, I had great confidence that I could go and do that. And I, and I was. When you are at Leicester, you played every minute of the season, right? Yes. Did you were you aware then that that was something that was maybe f- relatively rare that that happened and that you would go on to become the most active footballer on the planet in the end? Because it's pretty remarkable your twenty twenty. Yeah, it is. It's a good achievement. I think as a, as a central defender, it's important. It's important to stay injury free, and I know it comes with a little bit of luck and a little bit of fortune. But you've got to look after your body. You've got to do the things right and put yourself in the in the best possible shape to, to do that because as a team as a forward um, I'm sure you you look round and you you, you want to see a solid and a consistent um, defence and no I think it's important for the team obviously I did it when I was at Leicester I probably 
didn't realise that I'd do it so soon again in terms of last year playing every minute of every Premier League game. Touchwood, no suspensions and things, which which does help. But no, it's, it's, it's a good achievement. But like for sure, it's better when you're winning trophies and things. Does it ever come across when Ollie would actually say to you, how are you feeling? Did you ever have that conversation? Or it yeah, was just it, a case, listen, you're number one, you're going to play every game? No, I think... Ollie does always ask me, he asks me how my legs are and how I'm feeling, but I'm getting to this routine and, and sometimes I find it better. I find it better to yeah. play every two, three days. I, I'm not training much. I just go out and, and play the game and no, he's always asking me, but I've told him I'll rest when I retire. Yeah, nice. absolutely. Good shout. How, uh, how soon did people start messaging you and how often, I guess, to tell you when the news started coming out in December, when people had worked out all the stats that no one had played more football on the planet than you over the year? Yeah, I think it was my um, agent who actually sent it me first. It wasn't a stat what I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. I just go out and play the games. Um, I actually did miss a f Might have been two or three games where I probably could have wrapped up a few more minutes. I think the Europa League games, I missed two in the group stages. I was ill for Derby mm -hmm. away in the cup, which I was down to, to play. And the night before, I was really ill. So... No, there they could have been a few more, but um, no, it was, it's, a, it's a nice start to have. But like I say, it's, it's not something that I'm focused on. I, I just want to be part of a, a successful team. And um, if it means me playing every game, it means me playing every game. Um, but for sure, I, I, I want to be playing every game, but I want to be winning every game as well. How do you recover from games? Do you sleep well after games? Because I know a lot of people stay awake, you know, till like three, four in the morning. But when you're playing that many games so often, do you come in get massages what's your kind of recovery routine yeah night games are a problem I'm sure for every footballer it's it's something that it's it's tough really because the sleep it's it's hard to go to sleep I, I try and, and get my head down for two o'clock if I play, kick off at eight o'clock I try and and we finish at ten I, I try and get asleep for two o'clock mm -hmm. if I go at twelve I know I'll be tossing and turning for two three four hours do you hours. go home and watch the games no I, I now at this club they send you the uh, individual clips right so I'll probably go through and watch them and look at things where I can probably improve on and so by and the time you've got home you've got them clips through yeah oh, right, okay. so it's they're, they're so fast to be fair yeah. the boys here so yeah it's something that I probably I watch them yeah after night games because you, you you're wide awake so um it's something where you they're good as well because it's just your clips and every time you touch the ball so you can see which passes you maybe have missed and and playing through lines and things like That's that brilliant. so no, I think said that. I I just sit and watch the games at Old Trafford, and I can never sleep afterwards. Like at the no, late games, no, I'm it's a if I, back, yeah. I just sit on like a bed. I just sit and watch the highlights of the game that I've just sat and watched, and then like, well, I'll probably sit here till one or two or three, and at some point I go to sleep. The baby's born. You're not yeah. that. You'll Great. be flat out by about twelve. Yeah, it's one of the worst things ever: tossing and turning in bed when you can't yeah. sleep. So no, I'm I'm pretty sure all football. I think it's the the adrenaline which mm -hmm. you get, but also the the, the fuel what you put into your body in terms of the energy the shots um, the energy drinks the Lucas Aids the, and then all the the food as well like your carbs and things like that so it's something that we all have to put up with and deal with um, and just make sure the following night you, you get a good night's sleep and um, you catch up this is a, a question because we're talking about your recovery and stuff when we weren't in a coronavirus world we would do MUTV from the side of the pitch as you were doing your warm ups and so we're quite close and something that struck me immediately when I first saw you warming up is that your legs are massive. <laughs> like, they're so muscular. Is that something... <laughs> Why are you putting the faces? They are. Is that 
Well, you always built that way. Like, have you worked on it? Have you done like um, like weights and exercises or stuff? Or are you just naturally like a tree? <laughs> like a tree. Good comparison. Um, <laughs> no, that my lower my lower body in terms of my legs um, has always been really big. To be honest, um, my dad's are. Uh, it's probably come from him. Um, so yeah, I probably it probably does help me in terms of injuries as well. Mm-hmm. Um, big muscles, a um, lot of protection. So no, it's, it's, it's something that I, I work on my flexibility and things quite a lot, which I think is a big part of recovery. Uh, and obviously leg weights as well, which people do to, to make themselves stronger. But I feel it's more getting the range and working the muscle groups that you don't work um, in a game. But no, it's probably, I'd say it's a bit more natural than um, what I do in the gym. Yeah. Why, why do you find that so funny? <laughs> That's just the weirdest question I've ever heard. Why is it? <laughs> just saying, oh, you've got lovely legs, Harry. <laughs> Do you um do you get nervous before games? I'd say I get nervous. I used to get more nervous. I've probably with experience I've learned to deal with it better. I probably get nervous and anxious about the result rather than my own performance. Now I'd say, especially being captain of this yeah. club, I go into games and I just want to win so bad. I want to get the three points so bad every single game we play that. I think it's more anxious rather than nerves. I just want to do well for the team, but then I want the team to do well to, for the club. Mm-hmm. We should talk about this club. When did the the idea of a move to Manchester United first come around for you? Because the summer before you came, there was lots of talk that it could be on the table. Yeah, so the summer before, I there was talk, there was contact definitely between the clubs. Um, that was the, the, the summer after the World Cup. Mm-hmm. I can't remember why why it didn't materialise. I think Leicester was adamant that they weren't going to sell me that summer. Mm-hmm. So I think they just shut everyone down and, and didn't return calls or whatever. What's um, that like for you as a, as a player? Because presumably you're you're quite excited about that opportunity and then just to be told, no, just get on with it. Is that difficult or is it easy to just go, okay, fair enough, it's up to you, off I go? For me, I think it's all about what part of your career you're at. I think mm-hmm. if I was probably, I think I was 25, 26 that summer, so... I felt like I had another year or two to to really perform for Leicester and then I'll be able to get the move what I always dreamed of. So if it was a, probably I was 27, 28 in that summer and they come in and I didn't end up going, I'd have probably been knocking the door down. Um, but the I always felt like I, if I, I stayed another year, I trusted Leicester. They said to me, listen, you stay another year and um, we'll consider bids the, the following year. And, and thankfully they... They, they did and they, they, they stuck to the word, um, which I fully expected them to do because it's a, it's a top club with great owners. Because actually, wasn't your first game of that season when you didn't move? Wasn't the opening game against United? Yeah, it was. It was um, Luke scored, I think, the winner mm-hmm. that night. It was the first game of the season. I think it was Friday night football. Yeah. Um, and I'd only trained, I think I trained... I think I trained three days before that because we the World Cup finished so late mm-hmm. and then I had three weeks off and then I trained for three days and played at Old Trafford. Um, but yeah, Luke scored the winner um, that night. So disappointed that night, but um, obviously I was happy for Luke now looking back at it. Did you ever feel that your chance of man, joining Man United had gone? I always had it in the back of my mind, um, but I knew that I needed to, to, to perform that yeah. year again. I just needed to, to, to have another good season, um, gain more experience, more games for England, playing the big games, playing the Nations League. And I've always felt, I always, at that age, I always felt like I had a, 
another opportunity to, to join. Was you always on to your agent saying what's happening? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was um, throughout that year, it was obviously constant contact. Yeah. I'm sure my agent tried to keep it away from me and just keep the focus on football because, mm. like I say, it's so important that you just take each game as it comes in this in this business. It's interesting, isn't it? That people different approaches. Lee Grant told us when his agent phoned him and said, "May United is possible, he said, do not speak to me again until you've got that done and I can sign it. Yeah, so I think... I think if, if people do say that, I think straight away Manchester United is the most appealed club in the in the world for me. So um, I'm not surprised Lee, Lee did that. And when, when I heard it first, I was like, yeah, get on the phone, let, let's get you sorted. But then I trusted Leicester. I trusted the process in which they wanted to do. And um, like I said, it, it come good for us end and they got what they wanted. And I'm, I'm obviously here. July 2019, that's when it happened. And I'm sure a very, very proud moment for you and all of your family as well. Yeah, it was a, a massive moment for me. It was a, a long summer. I'd have liked it to happen a little bit sooner than what it did to, to give myself a little bit more time to prepare for the Chelsea game. But in the end, it, it didn't mm. really matter because we performed so well on that day. Um, I only had a week's training with the boys. It'd have been nice to go on the pre-season camps and the tours, which I didn't experience this year either because of the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the COVID. Um but no, it was a massive moment for myself, massive moment for my family and a, and a huge honour to play for this club. And then you become captain. Yeah, it, it come a lot sooner than I would have dreamed of. Obviously, Ash was here before. I learned a lot of Ash when he was in here for three, four months. Mm. And great guy, been a great player for the club, um, great servant. What did the manager say to you? No, he just pulled me in and he, he said, look, I'm going to make you captain of this club. Um Obviously, it's a, it was a great moment for myself. It's a huge honour to, to play for this club, never mind yeah. be the captain and lead the boys out at uh, Old Trafford. And um, no, it's a, like I say, it's a massive honour and a massive privilege. Aside from wearing the armband on the match day, are there sort of weird responsibilities and traditions that you that you have to take care of that maybe you wouldn't have known about or that people wouldn't know about? Um, media. Yeah, media. A lot of media. A lot of media. Yeah. Um, face the media when... When the times are tough, it's probably a, a, a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't go into a dressing room and, and pick, pick players out when you've just been beat. And to, to go and face the media, you have to stand up as captain and, and go and face it and, and, and take the stick and the scrutiny and, and handle it in a positive way. The the other responsibilities, we, if I'm being honest, we have a great group. We have we have a great group of lads who, who all chip in and with responsibilities, obviously the fines, which we've sorted out, um, what do you get fined for? Mainly late. So I just like mm. to keep it simple rather than having... If you have too many fines, it ends up a bit too messy. And yeah. I think the main one's the late. We have late for training, meetings and, and, and travel, really. And they're the three big ones. Do you set the style out? Yeah. I say out. Um, we've, we've got a good fining list this year. I don't know who's, who's probably the top of it. Um, I wouldn't know, you know. I think it's been a really they've been really good since we've since we've set it out. I think last Nobody's year anywhere we, to go, do they? So everybody's on yeah, time. Yeah, everyone's on time. <laughs> Everyone comes early, to be honest. You ever have to find yourself. Well, to be honest, there's me and Nemanja who's in charge. Mm-hmm. I've been fined once, which is still debatable. How I've been fined for it. It's, it's crazy, but I let Nemanja do it and I took took the hit and yeah. and put the money in the pot. What happened? So basically, um, you're not allowed your phone. Mm-hmm. When train when when you meet in the gym to before training for pre-act, you're not allowed your phone. So we did we did pre-act. I didn't have my phone. But then you go outside to put your boots on, 
you're not allowed to go on your phone in, in that period. But I put my phone and carried it out with me. Mm-hmm. wasn't on my phone because I was going to, straight after training, I was going to put my trainers back on and go up for a massage, which is next to the, so instead of coming all the way back, I could have just gone straight to a massage and the man you found me for that. Fair enough. But he's strict with everyone, so I'm happy. He, 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 I can set the standard. Is in. there a certain level of fines, how much it is, or is it just one set fine and that's it? Mainly one set fine, but double on match day. Perfect. Mm. I like that. Did you get a few fines in your time, Rosie? No. Well, no. I we, do we not believe right. that. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I think I fined off the gaffer a couple of times, but that was like whole week's wages, which was like an absolute yeah, That's something we don't deal with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you came, you made a point of going around, meeting all the different departments in the club and really making yourself known to everybody. And it's very personable, for especially for the staff and younger players too. Yeah, it was nice. I, it was nice to go to Old Trafford and just, just see everyone everyone's department really I think I went in like four or five different departments and, and met a lot of people and it was nice just to see all the hard work what goes on behind the scenes and it's crazy really we go on a pitch and, and we try and get the three points but the 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 overall club and, and what they do and how many people are working to, to, to make this club successful it's not just about 11 bodies going on the pitch and trying to get the three points it's a it's overall how it's run and things. So it was great to, great to meet a lot of people and, and see the departments and the work that they're doing over there. A lot of people have actually said that in the podcasts, that when maybe you're about to join Manchester United, you don't really realise how big of an operation it is until you actually arrive here and you settle in the first few weeks. Would that have been the case for you? Yeah, I think I had, I had good experience. I spoke to a lot of, of players who's played here, Johnny told me about it a lot, but I think it still does take you back a little bit. You you, you really don't realise how big the, the club is on a worldwide scale. And like you say, the, the operations that go on around around the place at the training ground. And then I went to, to Old Trafford and I seen the, the amount of people working the socks off over there as well, which in in all the departments that are just going going off over there is, is, is incredible really. And it just shows how big how big the club mm. is. What about the level of scrutiny then? How long did it take you to realise how big of a difference that is at Manchester United compared to other clubs? Um, probably about a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, listen, we, we're the most talk about club in the world probably and a lot of people don't want us to do well. A lot of people want us to, to fail and, and that's the, the world that we live in. So... I'd probably realised it pretty soon. Um, I'm pretty used to it now. And Do you enjoy that? The fact that everyone hates United? Yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah. I, I don't mind it at all. It's, it's something that when, when when we lift that first trophy or when I lift my, my, my first trophy yeah. at this club, it'll put a bigger smile Absolutely. on my face knowing that there's a lot of people not, <laughs> not wanting us yeah. to do that. Well, you know, something that's occurred to me during this conversation is that most people, when we talk to them, and we, and like someone always says, like, when do you realise just how big Manchester United was when it's people that haven't come through the academy? Pretty much everybody says on the first day of the pre-season tour, but you've never had that. No, yeah, it's something that I'm, I'm looking forward to, but obviously with the, the restrictions, I'm sure it won't happen pretty soon, but... Um no, the tours of it. I speak to the lads, and, and they really enjoy them. And I think you you do realise when you go on the tours, um, the amount of fans yeah. just it's just incredible. Yeah. Um, I've seen pictures and videos and and, and things of previous tours and, and training camps and and the matches and the amount of fans that this club has worldwide. 
probably does show you, and, and, and like you say, it, it would make any player realise how, how big the club is. Who, do you, who would be your confidants? Who do you speak to after games? Do you have people that you would phone and... Even, not even after games, you know, during the week. Is, there, is it, Would that be your dad, your brothers? Yeah, it'd be my dad and my brothers. They're probably the first two people after after me and fiance who, who I text after after a game. Not generally about my performance, probably about more about the team performance. Now it is. Probably when I was younger, my dad used to give me an earful every now and then for, for my own performance. Um, but now I'd say it's more we have conversations about the team performance, which has probably changed over the years because, like I said, when I was younger, it's more personal. But now I, I, I still live to it now. Now I'm the captain of this club. I feel like it's a lot more about the team than myself. And um, we speak a lot about the team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, listening to you, it's so clear that you're a leader. Like even even that, you immediately think of everybody else as opposed to what you're doing. But at the moment, does it feel like, like you talk about Nemanja um, helping with the fines and everything? Do you feel like there's quite a lot of leaders in this team? I mean, we spoke to Bruno a few weeks ago, and he was telling us about how much like he enjoys the aspect of of his game and everybody else's. No, I think it's it's something that did get brought up in the media about leadership mm-hmm. in this club. But for sure, it's it's it's. The best leadership group I've I've been involved in in the club. Uh, we have a lot of leaders in the in the dressing room, a lot of senior pros, and you don't have to be a senior pro to be a leader. Axel is a leader in in the ways that he works and and, and speaks in in the dressing room. And he's only a young 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 boy, still learning his trade. I'm sure he's going to have an unbelievable career. Um, but no, I think we have we have a lot of leaders, and like you say, there's Bruno who's come in and made a massive impact at, at the club, results wise, but also off the field as well. He's his mentality, and it feeds off other people when you have a strong mentality, a winning mentality, and like I say, Nemanja, Juan, David, been at the club a while now, and um, there's there's definitely a lot of leaders in the dressing room. How have you enjoyed settling into Manchester? I know it's not a million miles away, but it's away from home, away from your family, isn't it? Yeah, well. It's the first time I've, I've moved um, in my career. So I, I travelled, like I said, to Hull. I travelled to Leicester and then obviously moved to, to Manchester. It was, It's not a million miles away, but it's too far to travel on a daily basis for myself. No, I've really enjoyed it. I, I like the area, the Cheshire area. I like the town centre when I go into there. It's obviously been such an impacted year that mm. I've probably not done as much as I've, I'd like to. I've probably done more walks and, and visited more parks than anything. <laughs> um, as, as I'm sure everyone else has, but no, I love the area. I love the I love the city. Um, I think it's an up and coming city, and it just keeps to to, to keep building and building, and, and everything's getting built new. You, you see things, it's getting much more on the level of London. I, I feel mm-hmm. over the over the previous years. Mm-hmm. Speaking of what you have done, as opposed to the opportunities you haven't had yet, what have been your favourite games? The ones that really stand out? It'd have to be a game with the fans in the stadium, mm-hmm. and I'd probably go with my debut. A debut game against Chelsea, I felt like the atmosphere that day was incredible. The first game of the season, the sun was out. Um, all my family was in the in the stands. My friends don't know how many tickets I got, but I got a, a lot. Um, yeah, I'd go with that game. Uh, it was a, such a big game for me. Obviously, the the, the move after the move and the, the pressure of the game and wanting to do so well in your first game and and giving a good good first impression. And yeah, to get the to get the three points, the four goals, and a clean sheet, it was perfect for me. It was a great day. Great day. I've been um, assured by everybody that has a play, ever played for this club that I am getting fully carried away and keep looking at the league table, which is why I've never made it as a professional footballer. 
But <laughs> looking ahead, we don't know what will come. It's been a very different season for lots of different clubs and lots of different people for lots of different reasons. But you've got a lot of career ahead of you. What are the hopes and dreams and aspirations for you right now? How do you focus on those and work towards them? Well, the immediate one is to, to keep improving as a team, as a squad. I feel at the moment since I first walked into this club, we've improved a lot. Performance-wise is so important because you can get lucky in one, two, three games. If your performances aren't good and you, you scrape wins, but you've got to, you, you're never going to last over a season. You've got to make sure that the performance look after themselves and give yourself a, an opportunity to go and win, win games over a, over a period. So keep improving as a team, but then for sure at this club, we've got to win trophies. We must start competing in the um, in the in the league to, to, to win the title and then we have to start lifting trophies and, and winning the the biggest competitions in the world and and being involved in them so that that's the aim and the aspirations of, of, of joining this club well fingers crossed that's what's going to happen harry thank you so much for joining us thank you cheers, thank you. cheers. what a leader what a leader he is i also do you know what i really liked that he's he said about how he knows that the media outside the club, people have been talking about a lack of leaders in the dressing room. And he's obviously aware of that and is happy to point out that that isn't true. And actually, you know what? I think it's clear that that isn't true because you look at the players in the team and, and how they react with each other and getting these results. It doesn't happen by accident, does it? No, no. The way that the way they've performed, the way they've got that togetherness now, that just doesn't come by accident. That comes because there's leaders in the team, leaders in the dressing room. And even, you know, even in mentioning Axel there, you know, he's not really been in the team but yet is a leader. I like it when you say stuff like that. You know what you're talking about. I sit here and I listen, and I'm like, yes. And then when you say, yeah, I agree with what he said, it makes me think, yeah, it's probably true then. Maisie knows what he's talking about. Is Harry the type of player you would have liked to have played alongside Maisie? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love pl- I love players who... Have big legs. Yeah, beautiful, muscly legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very strange that, Sam. Yeah. No, I, th- I think with Harry, to play alongside him, it'd be a pleasure because, you know... You know exactly what what you get from him. Great reader of the game, great passer of the ball, and an overall top top captain. Mm-hmm. Really is. It's also amazing we got through a whole podcast without mentioning eighty million. Because yeah. every time his name is mentioned, it's always in the same sentence as eighty million. Yeah, well, eighty five or whatever it was. Yeah, it's a good job I didn't mention that eighty million because half of it's now gone to the Evans family. Yeah, yeah. Oh, new contract. Yeah, yeah. new contract. Yeah, yeah. technically. My, Harry's, Harry's business Harry's responsible for my new grass. Yep, them for the new grass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess if um, if you move for big money, people will will point to it and question it. But I, there's no reason anyone to do that anymore. He's no. a captain of Manchester United, playing excellent football. He's integral for his country. I don't see that. If you had a problem with it, it's only because you, you're trying to find fault and you want to pick holes and you want to, you, you know, you're trying to use a stick to beat him with as opposed to saying, yeah, great, what a buy. Excellent purchase. I think the thing is when you look at Harry sitting there, he just fits the bill mm-hmm. to be Manchester United captain. Yeah. That's what I see when I look Absolutely. at him. Absolutely. When I've, when I've been in the room with, with Robbo, they have the same persona about them, mm-hmm. that, that calm, collective person. But so yet calm, you know, yeah. Exactly what you get from him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he would he would change crossing that white line into something different than what he is on the pitch, and that's just like Rob, what Robbo mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Do you feel for him having not been on a preseason tour? Yeah, because he 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 wouldn't have seen obviously anything in the going on in the Far East or over in America. The passion that the fans have over there. I remember my first preseason tour I was over to Malaysia, and there were three thousand fans camped in the hotel, and you couldn't move anywhere. 
that's how big and that's how, re- that's how I realised how big United were 40,000 fans watching you train absolutely mental but obviously because of the situation we're in now you, you know you won't see that maybe Fingers in some crossed. way it's an ease into it I know obviously he, he was around when there was fans but, yeah, but you love pre- everyone loves pre-season tours mm. right should we do some emails please do I have got one here from Craig Randley. It's quite long, so bear with me. It says, Hi guys, love the podcast with Albert, one absolutely incredible and hilarious storyteller. I've always had a special place in my heart for the Kitman, as the first time I ever got to see United play as a child was a result of Sir Alex's obvious massive respect for the profession. Back in 1999, Fergie brought the United team up to Aberdeen for a testimonial for another legendary Kitman, Aberdeen's Teddy Scott, who even got a mention from Albert on his podcast appearance. Whilst normally for a match like this, you would have expected to get a team of reserves making them up to Scotland Sir Alex had such respect for Teddy that he brought all of the stars up for him and the Aberdeen crowd got to see Giggs, Skulls, Beckham, Ollie, and even Maisie it was a magical night and the match that made me a United fan for life I've been loving the podcast so keep them coming would love to hear a pod with Javier Hernandez in the future Craig thank you Craig someone tweeted me the other day to say they want Javier Hernandez on so we will try and get that done for you right now though David May do you remember that? yep what was it like? it was a great day did you meet Craig? he came into the dressing room <laughs> he didn't mention that in his email. Uh, do you remember the score or anything? Was it good? Oh, Craig. No, never seen. No, never met Craig. You meet Craig. Okay. What about the game, though? <laughs> or oh, did the kit man? Are you talking about the kit man? Did he come in the dressing room? Yeah. Oh, all right, Teddy. Teddy, yeah. Oh, lovely. Uh, what was the score? We won 3 0. Well done. Good victory. Do we win? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> John Keneally says, Hi Helen, David and Sam. My name is John. I'm originally from Cork and currently living in Minnesota. Love listening to the podcast every Tuesday when I'm driving in my truck for work. Said I'd emailed to say I think you should try and get Paddy Crerand on the pod soon. Can't imagine the amount of amazing stories he has. Also, I wanted to say when I was a baby, my parents and I lived with my aunt and uncle and cousin back in 1975. And I was told that Dennis Irwin used to kick his football against the side of our house. I don't remember this, obviously, but my mum and aunt remember it vividly. Can't wait for the next podcast. Have a great day and stay safe. Thank you very much indeed, John. Thank you, John. I've got one here from Sam Trafford, which I feel like would be like if I was entering a fan's forum and needed a fake name, I might go with Sam Trafford. Uh, He said, hi guys, hope you're doing well. I discovered the podcast a couple of weeks ago and I've binged it since because it's such a good way for fans old and new to get to know the history, legacy and heroes of Manchester United. Sam and Helen do a fantastic job of presenting whilst Maisie bridges the gap between muggle and professional footballer really well. Great work, Maisie, you muggle. I was born in 1994... (laughs) He's putting his coat on now and can only remember uh, watching United since age seven. And I blame my parents' timing for making me miss the 98-99 season. It would be great to hear from Sir Alex Ferguson, uh, Bobby Charlton, Ronaldo and many more on the pod. Keep going and keep strong because this is a brilliant way to connect the fans to the club. Cheers all. Thank you very much, Sam. Cheers, Sam. Called you a muggle. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for all of your emails. As always, you can send them to us. Uh, the address is unitedpodcast.manunited.co.uk. That is in the show notes. And of course, always subscribe. Um, and so you can get these as soon as they come out. Uh, we said reviews. You can rate them as five stars. We'll take five. That'll do us. Um, once again, have a lovely day. Hope you're doing all right. Um, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Uh, if you tweet a review to David May, he will send you a signed golf caddy. Have I? What is that? That's a person, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Not one of those, then. Thank God. I'm running out of things he can send people. I'll send you his love. Aw, lovely. Nice touch. Bye. <laughs> See ya.